Section 14 of The Great Encyclical Letters of Pope Leo Thirteenth. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. The Study of Holy Scripture. Encyclical Letter Providentissimus Deus, November 18, 1893. The God of all providence, who, in the adorable designs of his love, at first elevated the human race to the participation of the divine nature, and afterwards delivered it from universal guilt and ruin, restoring it to its primitive dignity has in consequence bestowed upon man a splendid gift and safeguard making known to him by supernatural means the hidden mysteries of his divinity his wisdom and his mercy for although in divine revelation there are contained some things which are not beyond the reach of unassisted reason and which are made the objects of such revelation in order that all may come to know them with facility certainty and safety from error yet not on this account can supernatural revelation be said to be absolutely necessary it is only necessary because god has ordained man to a supernatural end this supernatural revelation according to the belief of the universal church is contained both in unwritten tradition and in written books which are therefore called sacred and canonical because being written under the inspiration of the holy ghost they have god for their author and as such have been delivered to the church this belief has been perpetually held and professed by the church in regard to the books of both testaments and there are well-known documents of the gravest kind coming down to us from the earliest times which proclaim that god who spoke first by the prophets then by his own mouth and lastly by the apostles composed also the canonical scriptures and that these are his own oracles and words a letter written by our heavenly father and transmitted by the sacred writers to the human race in its pilgrimage so far from its heavenly country if then such and so great is the excellence and dignity of the scriptures that god himself has composed them and that they treat of god's marvellous mysteries counsels and works it follows that the branch of sacred theology which is concerned with the defence and elucidation of these divine books must be excellent and useful in the highest degree now we who by the help of god and not without fruit have by frequent letters and exhortation endeavor to promote other branches of study which seem capable of advancing the glory of god and contributing to the salvation of souls have for a long time cherished the desire to give an impulse to the noble science of holy scripture and to impart to scripture study a direction suitable to the needs of the present day the solicitude of the apostolic office naturally urges and even compels us not only to desire that this grand source of catholic revelation should be made safely and abundantly accessible to the flock of jesus christ but also not to suffer any attempt to defile or corrupt it either on the part of those who impiously or openly assail the scriptures or of those who are led astray into fallacious and imprudent novelties we are not ignorant indeed venerable brethren that there are not a few catholics men of talent and learning who do devote themselves with ardour to the defence of the sacred writings and to making them known and better understood but whilst giving to these the commendation they deserve we cannot but earnestly exhort others also from whose skill and piety and learning we have a right to expect good results to give themselves to the same most praiseworthy work it is our wish and fervent desire to see an increase in the number of the approved and persevering labourers in the cause of holy scripture and more especially that those whom divine grace has called to holy orders should day by day as their state demands display greater diligence and industry in reading meditating and explaining it among the reasons for which the holy scripture is so worthy of commendation 
in addition to its own excellence and to the homage which we owe to god's word the chief of all is the innumerable benefits of which it is the source according to the infallible testimony of the holy ghost himself who says all scripture inspired of god is profitable to teach to reprove to correct to instruct in justice that the man of god may be perfect furnished to every good work that such was the purpose of god in giving the scripture to men is shown by the example of christ our lord and of his apostles for he himself who obtained authority by miracles merited belief by authority and by belief drew to himself the multitude was accustomed in the exercise of his divine mission to appeal to the scriptures he used them at times to prove that he is sent by god and is god himself from them he cites instructions for his disciples in confirmation of his doctrine he vindicates them from the calumnies of objectors he quotes them against sadducees and pharisees and retorts from them upon satan himself when he dares to tempt him at the close of his life his utterances are from the holy scripture and it is the scripture that he expounds to his disciples after his resurrection until he ascends to the glory of his father faithful to his precepts the apostles although he himself granted signs and wonders to be done by their hands nevertheless used with the greatest effect the sacred writings in order to persuade the nations everywhere of the wisdom of christianity to conquer the obstinacy of the jews and to suppress the outbreak of heresy this is plainly seen in their discourses especially in those of st peter these were often little less than a series of citations from the old testament making in the strongest manner for the new dispensation we find the same thing in the gospels of st matthew and st john and in the catholic epistles and most remarkable of all in the words of him who boasts that he learned the law at the feet of gamaliel in order that being armed with spiritual weapons he might afterwards say with confidence the arms of our warfare are not carnal but mighty unto god let all therefore especially the novices of the ecclesiastical army understand how deeply the sacred books should be esteemed and with what eagerness and reverence they should approach this great arsenal of heavenly arms for those whose duty it is to handle catholic doctrine before the learned or the unlearned will nowhere find more ample matter or more abundant exhortation whether on the subject of god the supreme good and the all-perfect being or the works which display his glory and his love nowhere is there anything more full of more express on the subject of the saviour of the world than is to be found in the whole range of the bible as st jerome says to be ignorant of the scripture is not to know christ in its pages his image stands out living and breathing diffusing everywhere around consolation and trouble encouragement to virtue and attraction to the love of god and as to the church her institutions her nature her office and her gifts we find in holy scripture so many references and so many ready and convincing arguments that as st jerome again most truly says a man who is well grounded in the testimonies of the scripture is the bulwark of the church and if we come to morality and discipline an apostolic man finds in the sacred writings abundant and excellent assistance most holy precepts gentle and strong exhortation splendid examples of every virtue and finally the promise of eternal reward and the threat of eternal punishment uttered in terms of solemn import in god's name and in god's own words and it is this peculiar and singular power of holy scripture arising from the inspiration of the holy ghost which gives authority to the sacred orator fills them with apostolic liberty of speech and communicates force and power to his eloquence for those who infuse into their efforts the spirit and strength of the word of god 
speak not in word only but in power also and in the holy ghost and in much fullness hence those preachers are foolish and improvident who in speaking of religion and proclaiming the things of god use no words but those of human science and human prudence trusting to their own reasonings rather than to those of god their discourses may be brilliant and fine but they must be feeble and they must be cold for they are without the fire of the utterance of god and they must fall far short of that mighty power which the speech of god possesses for the word of god is living and effectual and more piercing than any two-edged sword and reaching into the division of the soul and the spirit but indeed those who have a right to speak are agreed that there is in the holy scripture an eloquence that is wonderfully varied and rich and worthy of great themes this saint augustine thoroughly understood and has abundantly set forth this also is confirmed by the best preachers of all ages who have gratefully acknowledged that they owed their repute chiefly to the assiduous use of the bible and to devout meditation on its pages the holy fathers well knew all this by practical experience and they never ceased to extol the sacred scripture and its fruits in innumerable passages of their writings we find them applying to it such phrases as an inexhaustible treasury of heavenly doctrine or an overflowing fountain of salvation or putting it before us as fertile pastures and beautiful gardens in which the flock of the lord is marvelously refreshed and delighted let us listen to the words of saint jerome in his epistle to nepotian often read the divine scriptures yea let holy reading be always in thy hand study that which thou thyself must preach let the speech of the priest be ever seasoned with scriptural reading saint gregory the great then whom no one has more admirably described the pastoral office writes in the same sense those he says who are zealous in the work of preaching must never cease the study of the written word of god saint augustine however warns us that vainly does the preacher utter the word of god exteriorly unless he listens to it interiorly and saint gregory instructs sacred orators first to find in holy scripture the knowledge of themselves and they carry it to others lest in reproving others they forget themselves admonitions such as these had indeed been uttered long before by the apostolic voice which had learned its lesson from christ himself who began to do and teach it was not to timothy alone but to the whole order of the clergy that the command was addressed take heed to thyself and to doctrine be earnest in them for in doing this thou shalt both save thyself and them that hear thee for the saving and for the perfection of ourselves and of others there is at hand the very best of help in the holy scriptures as the book of psalms among others so constantly insists but those only will find it who bring to this divine reading not only docility and attention but also piety and an innocent life for the sacred scripture is not like other books dictated by the holy ghost it contains things of the deepest importance which in many instances are most difficult and obscure to understand and explain such things there is always required the coming of the same holy spirit that is to say his light and his grace and these as the royal psalmist so frequently insists are to be sought by humble prayer and guarded by holiness of life it is in this that the watchful eye of the church shines forth conspicuously by admirable laws and regulations she has shown herself solicitous that the celestial treasure of the sacred books so bountifully bestowed upon man by the holy spirit should not lie neglected 
she has prescribed that a considerable portion of them shall be read and piously reflected upon by all her ministers in the daily office of the sacred psalmody she has ordered that in cathedral churches in monasteries and in other convents in which study can conveniently be pursued they shall be expounded and interpreted by capable men and she has strictly commanded that her children shall be fed with the saving words of the gospel at least on sundays and solemn feasts moreover it is owing to the wisdom and exertions of the church that there has always been continued from century to century that cultivation of holy scripture which has been so remarkable and has borne such ample fruit and here in order to strengthen our teaching and our exhortations it is well to recall how from the beginning of christianity all who have been renowned for holiness of life and sacred learning have given their deep and constant attention to holy scripture if we consider the immediate disciples of the apostles st clement of rome st ignatius of antioch st polycarp or the apologists such as st justin and st Irenaeus, we find that in their letters and books whether in defence of the catholic faith or in its commendation they drew faith strength and unction from the word of god when there arose in various sees catechetical and theological schools of which the most celebrated were those of alexandria and of antioch there was little taught in those schools but what was contained in the reading the interpretation and the defence of the divine written word from them came forth numbers of fathers and writers whose laborious study and admirable writings have justly merited for the three following centuries the appellation of the golden age of biblical exegesis in the eastern church the greatest name of all is origen a man remarkable alike for penetration of genius and preserving labour from whose numerous works and his great exapla almost all have drawn who came after him others who have widened the field of this science may also be named as especially eminent thus alexandria could boast of st clement and st cyril palestine of eusebius and the other st cyril cappadocia of st basil the great and the two gregories of nazianzus and nisa antioch of st john chrysostom in whom the science of scripture was rivalled by the splendour of his eloquence in the western church there are as many names as great tertullian st cyprian st hilary st ambrose st leo the great st gregory the great most famous of all st augustine and st jerome of whom the former was so marvellously acute in penetrating the sense of god's word and so fertile in the use that he made of it for the promotion of the catholic truth and the latter has received from the church by reason of his pre-eminent knowledge of scripture and his labours in promoting its use the name of the great doctor from this period down to the eleventh century although biblical studies did not flourish with the same vigour the same fruitfulness as before yet they did flourish and principally by the instrumentality of the clergy it was their care and solicitude that selected the best and most useful things that the ancients had left arranged them in order and published them with additions of their own as did st isidore of seville venerable bede among the most prominent it was they who illustrated the sacred pages with glosses or short commentaries as we see in wallafrid strabo and st anselm of leon or expended fresh labour in securing their integrity as to st peter damien and blessed lanfranc in the twelfth century many took up with great success the allegorical exposition of scripture in this kind st bernard is preeminent and his writings it may be said are scripture all through with the age of the scholastics came fresh and welcome progress in the study of the bible that the scholastics were solicitous about the genuineness of the latin version is evident from the correctoria biblica 
or at least of emendations, which they have left. But they expended their labors and industry chiefly on interpretation and explanation. To them we owe the accurate and clear distinction, such as had not been given before, of the various senses of the sacred words, the assignment of the value of each sense in theology, the division of books into parts, and the summaries of the various parts. The investigation of the objects of the writers, the demonstration of the connection of sentence with sentence, and clause with clause, all which is calculated to throw much light on the more obscure passages of the sacred volume. The valuable work of the scholastics in Holy Scripture is seen in their theological treatises and in their scripture commentaries, and in this respect the great name among them all is St. Thomas Aquinas. When our predecessor, Clement V, established chairs of oriental literature in the Roman College and in the principal universities of Europe, Catholics began to make more accurate investigation on the original text of the Bible, as well as on the Latin version. The revival amongst us of Greek learning, and, much more, the happy invention of the art of printing, gave a strong impetus to biblical studies. In a brief space of time, innumerable editions, especially of the Vulgate, poured from the press and were diffused throughout the Catholic world. So honored and loved was Holy Scripture during that very period against which the enemies of the Church direct their calumnies. Nor must we forget how many learned men there were, chiefly among the religious orders, who did excellent work for the Bible between the Council of Vienna and that of Trent. Men who, by the employment of modern means and appliances, and by the tribute of their own genius and learning, not only added to the rich store of ancient times, but prepared the way for the succeeding century, the century which followed the Council of Trent, when it almost seemed that the great age of the fathers had returned. For it is well known, and we recall it with pleasure, that our predecessors, from Pius IV to Clement VIII, caused to be prepared the celebrated editions of the Vulgate and the Septuagint, which, having been published by the command and authority of Sixtus V, and of the same Clement, are now in common use. At this time, moreover, were carefully brought out various other ancient versions of the Bible and the polyglots of Antwerp and of Paris, most important for the investigation of the true meaning of the text. Nor is there any one book of either testament which did not find more than one expositor, nor any grave question which did not profitably exercise the ability of many inquirers, among whom there are not a few, more especially, of those who made most use of the fathers, who have acquired great reputation. From that time downwards, the labor and solicitude of Catholics have never been wanting, for, as time went on, eminent scholars have carried on biblical studies with success, and have defended Holy Scripture against rationalism with the same weapons of philology and kindred sciences with which it had been attacked. The common fair consideration of what has been said will clearly show that the Church has never failed in taking due measures to bring the Scriptures within reach of her children and that she has never held fast and exercised profitably that guardianship conferred upon her by Almighty God for the protection and glory of His Holy Word, so that she has never required, nor does she now require, any stimulation from without. We must now, venerable brethren, as our purpose demands, impart to you such counsels as seem best suited for carrying on successfully the study of biblical science. But first, it must be clearly understood whom we have to oppose and contend against, and what are their tactics in their arms. In earlier times, the contest was chiefly with those who, relying on private judgment and repudiating the divine traditions and teaching office of the Church, held the Scriptures to be the one source of revelation and the final appeal in matters of faith. 
now we have to meet the rationalists true children and inheritors of the old heretics who trusting in their turn to their own way of thinking have rejected even the scraps and remnants of christian belief which have been handed down to them they deny that there is any such thing as revelation or inspiration or holy scripture at all they see instead only the forgeries and falsehoods of men they set down the scripture narratives as stupid fables and lying stories the prophecies and oracles of god are to them either predictions made up after the event or forecasts formed by the light of nature the miracles and wonders of god's power are not what they are said to be but the startling effects of natural law or else mere tricks and myths and the apostolic gospels and writings are not the work of the apostles at all these detestable errors whereby they think they destroy the truth of the divine books are obtruded on the world as the peremptory pronouncements of a newly invented free science a science however which is so far from final that they are perpetually modifying and supplementing it and there are some of them who notwithstanding their impious opinions and utterances about god and christ the gospels and the rest of holy scripture would fain be considered both theologians and christians and men of the gospel and who attempt to disguise by such honourable names their rashness and their pride to them we must add not a few professors of other sciences who approve their views and give them assistance and are urged to attack the bible by a similar intolerance of revelation and it is deplorable to see these attacks growing every day more numerous and more severe it is sometimes men of learning and judgment who are assailed but these have little difficulty in defending themselves from evil consequences the efforts and art of the enemy are chiefly directed against the more ignorant masses of the people they diffuse their deadly poison by means of books pamphlets and newspapers they spread it by addresses and by conversation they are found everywhere and they are in possession of numerous schools taken by violence from the church in which by ridicule and scurrilous jesting they pervert the credulous and unformed minds of the young to the contempt of holy scripture should not these things venerable brethren stir up and set on fire the heart of every pastor so that to this knowledge falsely so called may be opposed the ancient and true science which the church through the apostles has received from christ and that holy scripture may find the champions that are needed in so momentous a battle let our first care then be to see that in seminaries in academical institutions the study of holy scripture is placed on such a footing as its own importance and the circumstances of the time demand with this view the first thing which requires attention is the wise choice of professors teachers of sacred scripture are not to be appointed at haphazard out of the crowd but they must be men whose character and fitness are proved by their love of it and their long familiarity with the bible and by suitable learning and study it is a matter of equal importance to provide in time for a continuous succession of such teachers and it will be well wherever this can be done to select young men of good promise who have successfully accomplished their theological course and to set them apart exclusively for holy scripture affording them facilities for full and complete studies professors thus chosen and thus prepared may enter with confidence on the task that is appointed for them and that they may carry out their work well and profitably let them take heed to the instructions we now proceed to give at the commencement of a course of holy scripture let the professor strive earnestly to form the judgment of the young beginners so as to train them equally to defend the sacred writings and to penetrate their meaning this is the object of the treatise which is called introduction 
here the student is taught how to prove the integrity and authority of the bible how to investigate and ascertain its true sense and how to meet and refute objections it is needless to insist upon the importance of making these preliminary studies in an orderly and thorough fashion with the accompaniment and assistance of theology for the whole subsequent course must rest on the foundation thus laid and make use of the light thus acquired next the teacher will turn his attention to that more fruitful division of scripture science which has to do with interpretation wherein is imparted the method of using the word of god for the advantage of religion and piety we recognize without hesitation that neither the extent of the matter nor the time at disposal allows each single book of the bible to be separately gone through but the teaching should result in a definite and a certain method of interpretation and therefore the professor should equally avoid the mistake of giving a mere taste of every book and of dwelling at too great a length on the part of one book if most schools cannot do what is done in large institutions take the students through the whole of one or two books continuously and with a certain development yet at least those parts which are selected should be treated with suitable fullness in such a way that the students may learn from the sample that is put before them to love and use the remainder of the sacred book during the whole of their lives the professor following the tradition of antiquity will make use of the vulgate as his text for the council of trent decreed that in public lectures disputations preaching and exposition the vulgate is the authentic version and this is the existing custom of the church at the same time the other versions which christian antiquity has approved should not be neglected more especially the more ancient mss for although the meaning of the hebrew and greek is substantially rendered by the vulgate nevertheless wherever there may be ambiguity or want of clearness the examination of older tongues to quote st augustine will be useful and advantageous but in this matter we need hardly say that the greatest prudence is required for the office of a commentator as st jerome says is to set forth not what he himself would prefer but what his author says the question of reading having been when necessary carefully discussed the next thing is to investigate and expound the meaning and the first counsel to be given is this that the more our adversaries contend to the contrary so much the more solicitously should we adhere to the received and approved canons of interpretation hence whilst weighing the meaning of words the connection of ideas the parallelism of passages and the like we should by all means make use of such illustrations as can be drawn from opposite erudition of an external sort but this should be done with caution so as not to bestow on questions of this kind more labor and time than are spent on the sacred books themselves and not to overload the minds of the students with a mass of information that will be rather a hindrance than a help the professor may now safely pass on to the use of scripture in matters of theology on this head it must be observed that in addition to the usual reasons which make ancient writings more or less difficult to understand there are some which are peculiar to the bible for the language of the bible is employed to express under the inspiration of the holy ghost many things which are beyond the power and scope of the reason of man that is to say divine mysteries and all that is related to them there is sometimes in such passages and a hidden depth of meaning which the letter hardly expresses and which the laws of interpretation hardly warrant moreover the literal sense itself frequently admits other senses adapted to illustrate dogma or to confirm morality 
wherefore it must be recognized that the sacred writings are wrapped in a certain religious obscurity and that no one can enter into their interior without a guide god so disposing as the holy fathers commonly teach in order that men may investigate them with greater ardor and earnestness and that what is attained with difficulty may sink more deeply into the mind and heart and most of all that they may understand that god has delivered the holy scripture to the church and that in reading and making use of his word they must follow the church as their guide and their teacher st irenaeus long since laid down that where the chrismata of god were there the truth was to be learned and the holy scripture was safely interpreted by those who had the apostolic succession his teaching and that of other holy fathers is taken up by the council of the vatican which in renewing the decree of trent declared its mind to be this that in things of faith and morals belonging to the building up of christian doctrine that it is to be considered the true sense of holy scripture which has been held and is held by our holy mother the church whose place it is to judge of the true sense and interpretation of the scriptures and therefore that it is permitted to no one to interpret holy scripture against such sense or also against the unanimous agreement of the fathers by this most wise decree the church by no means prevents or restrains the pursuit of biblical science but rather protects it from error and largely assists its real progress a wide field is still left open to the private student in which hermeneutical skill may display itself with signal effect and to the advantages of the church on the one hand in those passages of holy scripture which have not as yet received a certain and definite interpretation such labors may in the benignant providence of god prepare for and bring to maturity the judgment of the church on the other in passages already defined the private student may do work equally valuable either by setting them forth more clearly to the flock or more skilfully to the scholars or by defending them more powerfully from hostile attack wherefore the first and dearest object of the catholic commentator should be to interpret those passages which have received an authentic interpretation either from the sacred writers themselves under the inspiration of the holy ghost as in many places of the new testament or from the church under the assistance of the same holy spirit whether by her solemn judgment or by her ordinary and universal magisterium to interpret these passages in that identical sense and to prove by all the resources of science that sound hermeneutical laws admit of no other interpretation in the other passages the analogy of faith should be followed and catholic doctrine as authoritatively proposed by the church should be held as the supreme law foreseeing that the same god is the author both of the sacred books and of the doctrine committed to the church it is clearly impossible that any teaching can by legitimate means be extracted from the former which shall in any respect be at variance with the latter hence it follows that all interpretation is foolish or false which either makes the sacred writers disagree one with another or is opposed to the doctrine of the church the professor of holy scripture therefore amongst other recommendations must be well acquainted with the whole circle of theology and deeply read in the commentaries of the holy fathers and doctors and in other interpreters of mark this is inculcated by st jerome and still more frequently by st augustine who thus justly complains if there is no brand of teaching however humble and easy to learn which does not require a master what can be a greater sign of rashness and pride than to refuse to study the books of the divine mysteries by the help of those who have interpreted them the other fathers have said the same and have confirmed it by their example for they 
endeavored to acquire the understanding of the holy scriptures not by their own lights and ideas but from the writing and authority of the ancients who in their turn as we know received the rule of interpretation in direct line from the apostles the holy fathers to whom after the apostles the church owes its growth who have planted watered built governed and cherished it the holy fathers we say are of supreme authority whenever they all interpret in one and the same manner any text of the bible as pertaining to the doctrine of faith and morals for their unanimity clearly evinces that such interpretation has come down from the apostles as a matter of catholic faith the opinion of the fathers is also of very great weight when they treat of these matters in their capacity of doctors unofficially not only because they excel in their knowledge of revealed doctrine and in their acquaintance with many things which are useful in understanding the apostolic books but because they are men of eminent sanctity and of ardent zeal for the truth on whom god has bestowed more ample measure of his light wherefore the expositor should make it his duty to follow their footsteps with all reverence and to use their labours with intelligent appreciation but he must not on that account consider that it is forbidden when just cause exists to push inquiry and exposition beyond what the fathers have done provided he carefully observe the rule so wisely laid down by st augustine not to depart from the literal and obvious sense except only where reason makes it untenable or necessity requires a rule to which it is the more necessary to adhere strictly in these times when the thirst for novelty and the unrestrained freedom of thought make the danger of error most real and proximate neither should those passages be neglected which the fathers have understood in an allegorical or figurative sense more especially when such an interpretation is justified by the literal and when it rests on the authority of many for this method of interpretation has been received by the church from the apostles and has been approved by her own practice as the holy liturgy attests although it is true that the holy fathers did not thereby pretend directly to demonstrate dogmas of faith but used it as a means of promoting virtue and piety such as by their own experience they knew to be most valuable the authority of other church interpreters is not so great but the study of scripture has always continued to advance in the church and therefore these commentaries also have their own honourable place and are serviceable in many ways for the refutation of assailants and the explanation of difficulties but it is most unbecoming to pass by in ignorance or contempt the excellent work which catholics have left in abundance and to have recourse to the work of non-catholics and to seek in them to the detriment of sound doctrine and often to the peril of faith the explanation of passages on which catholics long ago have successfully employed their talent and their labour for although the studies of non-catholics used with prudence may sometimes be of use to the catholic student he should nevertheless bear well in mind as the fathers also teach in numerous passages that the sense of holy scripture can nowhere be found in corrupt outside the church and cannot be expected to be found in writers who being without the true faith only know the bark of sacred scripture and never attain its pith most desirable is it and most essential that the whole teaching of theology should be pervaded and animated by the use of the divine word of god that is what the fathers and the greatest theologians of all ages have desired and reduced to practice it is chiefly out of the sacred writings that they endeavoured to proclaim and establish the articles of faith and the truths therewith connected 
and it was in them together with divine tradition that they found the refutation of heretical error and the reasonableness the true meaning and the mutual relation of the truths of catholicism nor will any one wonder at this who considers that the sacred books hold such an eminent position among the sources of revelation that without their assiduous study and use theology cannot be placed on a true footing or treated as its dignity demands for although it is right and proper that students in academies and schools should be chiefly exercised in acquiring a scientific knowledge of dogma by means of reasoning from the articles of faith to their consequences according to the rules of approved and sound philosophy nevertheless the judicious and instructed theologian will by no means pass by that method of doctrinal demonstration which draws its proof from the authority of the bible for theology does not receive her first principle from any other science but immediately from god by revelation and therefore she does not receive of other sciences as from a superior but uses them as her inferiors or handmaids it is this view of doctrinal teaching which is laid down and recommended by the prince of theologians st thomas of aquinas who moreover shows such being the essential character of christian theology how she can defend her own principles against attack if the adversary he says do but grant any portion of the divine revelation we have an argument against him thus against a heretic we can employ scripture authority and against those who deny one article we can use another but if our opponent reject divine revelation entirely there is no way left to prove the articles of faith by reasoning we can only solve the difficulties which are raised against them care must be taken then that beginners approach the study of the bible well prepared and furnished otherwise just hopes will be frustrated or perchance what is worse they will unthinkingly risk the danger of error falling on easy prey to the sophisms and labored erudition of the rationalists the best preparation will be a conscientious application to philosophy and theology under the guidance of st thomas of aquine and the thorough training therein as we ourselves have elsewhere pointed out and directed by this means both in biblical studies and in that part of theology which is called positive they will pursue the right path and make satisfactory progress to prove to expound to illustrate catholic doctrine by the legitimate and skilful interpretation of the bible is much but there is a second part of the subject of equal importance and equal difficulty the maintenance in the strongest possible way of its full authority this cannot be done completely or satisfactorily except by means of a living and proper magisterium of the church the church by reason of her wonderful propagation her distinguished sanctity and inexhaustible fecundity in good her catholic unity and her unshaken stability is herself a great and perpetual motive of credibility and an unassailable testimony to her own divine mission but since the divine and infallible magisterium of the church rests also on holy scripture the first thing to be done is to vindicate the trustworthiness of sacred records at least as human documents from which can be clearly proved as from primitive and authentic testimony the divinity and the mission of christ our lord the institution of the hierarchical church and the primacy of peter and his successors it is most desirable therefore that there should be numerous members of the clergy well prepared to enter on a contest of this nature and to repulse hostile assaults chiefly trusting in the armour of god recommended by the apostle but also not accustomed to modern methods of attack this is beautifully alluded to by st john chrysostom when describing the duties of priests 
we must use every endeavor that the word of god may dwell in us abundantly not merely for one kind of a fight must we be prepared for the contest is many-sided and the enemy is of every sort and they do not all use the same weapons nor make their onset in the same way wherefore it is needful that the man who has to contend against all should be acquainted with the engines and the arts of all that he should be at once archer and singer commandant and officer general and private soldier foot-soldier and horseman skilled in sea-fight and in siege for unless he knows every trick and turn of war the devil is well able if only a single door be left open to get in his fierce bands and carry off the sheep the sophisms of the enemy and his manifold arts of attack we have already touched upon let us now say a word of advice on the means of defence the first means is the study of the oriental languages and of the art of criticism these two acquirements are in these days held in high estimation and therefore the clergy by making themselves fully acquainted with them as time and place may demand will the better be able to discharge their office with becoming credit for they must make themselves all to all always ready to satisfy every one that asketh them a reason for the hope that is in them hence it is most proper that professors of sacred scripture and theologians should master those tongues in which the sacred books were originally written and it would be well that church students also should cultivate them more especially those who aspire to academic degrees an endeavour should be made to establish in all academic institutions as has already been laudably done in many chairs of the other ancient languages especially the semitic and of subjects connected therewith for the benefit principally of those who are intended to profess sacred literature these latter with a similar object in view should make themselves well and thoroughly acquainted with the art of true criticism there has arisen to the great detriment of religion an inept method dignified by the name of higher criticism which pretends to judge the origin integrity and authority of each book from internal indications alone it is clear on the other hand that in historical questions such as the origin and handing down of writings the witness of history is of primary importance and that historical investigation should be made with the utmost care and that in this manner internal evidence is seldom of great value except as confirmation to look upon it in any other light will be to open the door to many evil consequences it will make the enemies of religion much more bold and confident in attacking and mangling the sacred books and this vaunted higher criticism will resolve itself in the reflection of the bias and prejudice of the critics it will not throw on the scripture the fight which is sound or prove of any advantage to doctrine it will only give rise to disagreement and dissension those sure notes of error which the critics in question so plentifully exhibit in their own persons and seeing that most of them are tainted with false philosophy and rationalism it must lead to the elimination from the sacred writings of all prophecy and miracle and of everything else that is outside the natural order in the second place we have to contend against those who making an evil use of physical science minutely scrutinize the sacred book in order to detect the writers in a mistake and to take occasion to vilify its contents attacks of this kind bearing as they do on matters of sensible experience are peculiarly dangerous to the masses and also to the young who are beginning their literary studies for the young if they lose their reverence for the holy scripture on one or more points are easily led to give up believing in it altogether it need not be pointed out how the nature of science just as it is so admirably adapted to show forth the glory of the great creator 
provided it is taught as it should be so if it be perversely imparted to the youthful intelligence it may prove most fatal to destroying the principles of true philosophy and in the corruption of morality hence to the professor of sacred scripture a knowledge of natural science will be of very great assistance in detecting such attacks on the sacred books and in refuting them there can never be any real discrepancy between the theologian and the physicist as long as each confines himself within his own lines and both are careful as st augustine warns us not to make rash assertions or to assert what is not known as known if dissension should arise between them here is the rule also laid down by st augustine for the theologian whatever they can really demonstrate to be true of physical nature we must show to be capable of reconciliation with our scriptures and whatever they assert in their treatises which is contrary to these scriptures of ours that is to catholic faith we must either prove it as well as we can to be entirely false or at all events we must without the smallest hesitation believe it to be so to understand how just is the rule here formulated we must remember first that the sacred writers or to speak more accurately the holy ghost who spoke by them did not intend to teach men these things that is to say the essential nature of the things of the visible universe things in no way profitable unto salvation hence they did not seek to penetrate the secrets of nature but rather described and dealt with things in more or less figurative language or in terms which were commonly used at the time and which in many instances are in daily use at this day even by the most eminent men of science ordinary speech primarily and properly describes what comes under the senses and somewhat in the same way the sacred writers as the angelic doctor also reminds us went by what sensibly appeared or put down what god speaking to men signified in the way men could understand and were accustomed to the unshrinking defence of the holy scripture however does not require that we should equally uphold all the opinions which each of the fathers or the more recent interpreters have put forth in explaining it for it may be that in commenting on passages where physical matters occur they have sometimes expressed the ideas of their own times and thus made statements which in these days have been abandoned as incorrect hence in their interpretations we must carefully note what they lay down as belonging to faith or as intimately connected with faith what they are unanimous in for in those things which do not come under the obligation of faith the saints were at liberty to hold divergent opinions just as we ourselves are according to the saying of st thomas and in another place he says most admirably when philosophers are agreed upon a point and it is not contrary to our faith it is safer in my opinion neither to lay down such a point as a dogma of faith even though it is perhaps so presented by the philosophers nor to reject it as against faith lest we thus give to the wise of this world an occasion of despising our faith the catholic interpreter although he should show that those facts of natural science which investigators affirm to be now quite certain are not contrary to the scripture rightly explained must nevertheless always bear in mind that much which has been held and proved as certain has afterwards been called in question and rejected and if writers on physics travel outside the boundaries of their own branch and carry their erroneous teaching into the domain of philosophy let them be handed over to philosophers for refutation the principles here laid down will apply to cognate sciences and especially to history it is a lamentable fact that there are many 
who with great labor carry out and publish investigations on the monuments of antiquity the manners and institutions of nations and other illustrative subjects and whose chief purpose in all this is to find mistakes in the sacred writings and so to shake and weaken their authority some of these writers display not only extreme hostility but the greatest unfairness in their eyes a profane book or ancient document is accepted without hesitation whilst the scripture if they only find in it a suspicion of error is set down with the slightest possible discussion as quite untrustworthy it is true no doubt that copyists have made mistakes in the text of the bible this question when it arises should be carefully considered on its merits and the fact not too easily admitted but only in those passages where the proof is clear it may also happen that the sense of a passage remains ambiguous and in this case good hermeneutical methods will greatly assist in clearing up the obscurity but it is absolutely wrong and forbidden either to narrow inspiration to certain parts only of holy scripture or to admit that the sacred writer has erred for the system of those who in order to rid themselves of those difficulties do not hesitate to conceive that divine inspiration regarding the things of faith and morals and nothing beyond because as they wrongly think in a question of the truth or falsehood of a passage we should consider not so much what god has said as the reason and purpose which he had in mind when saying it this system cannot be tolerated for all the books which the church receives as sacred and canonical are written wholly and entirely with all their parts at the dictation of the holy ghost and so far is it from being possible that any error can coexist with inspiration that inspiration not only is essentially incompatible with error but excludes and rejects it as absolutely and necessarily as it is impossible that god himself the supreme truth can utter that which is not true this is the ancient and unchanging faith of the church solemnly defined in the councils of florence and of trent and finally confirmed and more expressly formulated by the council of the vatican these are the words of the last the books of the old and new testament whole and entire with all their parts as enumerated by the decree of the same council trent and in the ancient latin vulgate are to be received as sacred and canonical and the church holds them as sacred and canonical not because having been composed by human industry they were afterwards approved by her authority nor only because they contain revelation without error but because having been written under the inspiration of the holy ghost they have god for their author hence because the holy ghost employed men as his instruments we cannot therefore say that it was these inspired instruments who perchance have fallen into error and not the primary author for by supernatural power he so moved and impelled them to write he was so present to them that the things which he ordered and those only they first rightly understood then willed faithfully to write down and finally expressed in apt words and with infallible truth otherwise it cannot be said that he was the author of the entire scripture such has always been the persuasion of the fathers therefore says st augustine since they wrote the things which he showed and uttered to them it cannot be pretended that he is not the writer for his members executed what their head dictated and st gregory the great thus pronounces most superfluous it is to inquire who wrote these things we loyally believe the holy ghost to be the author of the book he wrote it who dictated it for writing he wrote it who inspired its execution 
it follows that those who maintain that an error is possible in any genuine passage of the sacred writings either pervert the catholic notion of inspiration or make god the author of such error and so emphatically were all the fathers and doctors agreed that the divine writings as left by the hagiographers are free from all error that they labored earnestly with no less skill than reverence to reconcile with each other those numerous passages which seem at variance the very passages which in a great measure have been taken up by the higher criticism for they were unanimous in laying it down that those writings in their entirety and in all their parts were equally from leoflatus of almighty god and that god speaking by the sacred writers could not set down anything that was not true the words of st augustine to st jerome may sum up what they taught on my own part i confess to your charity that it is only to those books of scripture which are now called canonical that i have learned to pay such honour and reverence as to believe most firmly that none of their writers have fallen into any error and if in these books i meet anything which seems contrary to truth i shall not hesitate to conclude either that the text is faulty or that the translator has not expressed the meaning of the passage or that i myself do not understand but to undertake fully and perfectly and with all the weapons of the best science the defence of the holy bible is far more than can be looked for from the exertions of commentators and theologians alone it is an enterprise in which we have a right to expect the co-operation of all those catholics who have acquired reputation in any branch of learning whatever as in the past so at the present time the church is never without the graceful support of her accomplished children may their service to the faith grow and increase for there is nothing which we believe to be more needful than that truth should find defenders more powerful and more numerous than the enemies it has to face nor is there anything which is better calculated to impress the masses with respect for truth than to see it boldly proclaimed by learned and distinguished men moreover the bitter tongues of objectors will be silenced or at least they will not dare to insist so shamelessly that faith is the enemy of science when they see that scientific men of eminence in their profession show towards faith the most marked honour and respect seeing then that those can do so much for the advantage of religion on whom the goodness of almighty god has bestowed together with the grace of the faith great natural talent let such men in this bitter conflict of which the holy scripture is the object select each of them the branch of study most suitable to his circumstances and endeavour to excel therein and thus be prepared to repulse with credit and distinction the assaults on the word of god and it is our pleasing duty to give deserved praise to a work which certain catholics have taken up that is to say the formation of societies and the contribution of considerable sums of money for the purpose of supplying studios and learned men with every kind of help and assistance in carrying out complete studies truly an excellent fashion of investing money and well suited to the time in which we live the less hope of public patronage there is for catholic study the more ready and the more abundant should be the liberality of private persons those to whom god has given riches thus willingly make use of their means to safeguard the treasure of his revealed doctrine in order that all these endeavours and exertions may really prove advantageous to the cause of the bible let scholars keep steadily to the principles which we have in this letter laid down let them loyally hold that god the creator and ruler of all things is also the author of the scriptures and that therefore nothing can be proved either by physical science or archaeology 
which can really contradict the scriptures if then apparent contradiction be met with every effort should be made to remove it judicious theologians and commentators should be consulted as to what is the true or most probable meaning of the penance in discussion and hostile arguments should be carefully weighed even if the difficulty is after all not cleared up and the discrepancy seems to remain the contest must not be abandoned truth cannot contradict truth and we may be sure that some mistake has been made either in the interpretation of the sacred words or in the polemical discussion itself and if no such mistake can be detected we must then suspend judgment for the time being there have been objections without number perseveringly directed against the scripture for many a long year which have been proved to be futile and are now never heard of and not infrequently interpretations have been placed on certain passages of scripture not belonging to the rule of faith or morals which have been rectified by more careful investigations as time goes on mistaken views die and disappear but truth remaineth and groweth stronger for ever and ever wherefore as no one should be so presumptuous as to think that he understands the whole of the scripture in which st augustine himself confessed that there was more that he did not know than that he knew so if he should come on anything that seems incapable of solution he must take to heart the cautious rule of the same holy doctor it is better even to be oppressed by unknown but useful signs than to interpret them uselessly and thus to throw off the yoke only to be caught in the trap of error as to those who pursue the subsidiary studies of which we have spoken if they honestly and modestly follow the counsels we have given if by their pen and their voice they make their studies profitable against the enemies of truth and useful in saving the young from the loss of their faith they may justly congratulate themselves on their worthy service to the sacred writings and on affording to catholicism that assistance which the church has a right to expect from the piety and learning of her children such venerable brethren are the admonitions and the instructions which by the help of god we have thought it well at the present moment to offer to you on the study of holy scripture it would now be your province to see that what we have said be observed and put in practice with all due reverence and exactness that so we may prove our gratitude to god for the communication to man of the words of his wisdom and that all the good results so much to be desired may be realized especially as they affect the training of the students of the church which are to our own great solicitude and the church's hope exert yourselves with willing alacrity and use your authority and your persuasion in order that these studies may be held in just regard and may flourish in seminaries and in educational institutions which are under your jurisdiction let them flourish in completeness and in happy success under the direction of the church in accordance with the salutary teaching and example of the holy fathers and the laudable traditions of antiquity and as time goes on let them be widened and extended as the interest and glory of truth may require the interest of that catholic truth which comes from above the never-failing source of man's salvation finally we admonish with paternal love all students and ministers of the church always to approach the sacred writings with reverence and piety for it is impossible to attain to the profitable understanding thereof unless the arrogance of earthly science be laid aside and there be excited in the heart the holy desire for that wisdom which is from above in this way the intelligence which is once admitted to these sacred studies and thereby illuminated and strengthened will acquire a marvellous facility in detecting and avoiding the fallacies of human science and in gathering and using for eternal salvation all that is valuable and precious 
whilst at the same time the heart will grow warm and will strive with ardent longing to advance in virtue and in divine love blessed are they who examine his testimonies they shall seek him with their whole heart and now filled with hope in the divine assistance and trusting to your paternal solicitude as a pledge of heavenly grace and a sign of our special good will to you all and to the clergy and to the whole flock entrusted to you we lovingly impart in our lord the apostolic benediction in the section fourteen